follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. So yes, I'm back after vacation. Hope you guys didn't miss me too, too much over here uh, at WRPR. So I was uh, actually in Miami for a week. And uh, of course, one of the highlights, as, as a lot of you guys may or may not know, um, my one of my life goals is to get to see a game or, or visit at least every MLB stadium uh, in the country. So uh, Marlins Park was number eight off the list. Check it off. Uh, and uh, actually, the Mets were in town while the Marlins were playing while we were there. So we s- actually got the fortune to see a Met game. And we saw the Mets lose. Uh, but apparently it was, you know, looking at the pitching matchups, I was expecting a lot of scoring. And the final score ended up being 2-1. to one. Uh, We did see the, uh, the go-ahead and run for the Marlins was a gigantic bomb to left field. I think it hit the scoreboard from uh, Giancarlo Stanton. As you know, he has just, um, well, not just, but he recently won the Home Run Derby. He hit 61 home runs in one night. So that was kind of cool to see, to see him and to see Don Mattingly as the manager of the Marlins and to see Barry Bonds as the hitting coach of the Marlins. It's kind of cool. I'm actually um, wearing my Don Mattingly t-shirt right now. So, uh, you know, Marlins Park uh, looks really cool from the outside. looks like a spaceship, like a UFO from the outside, but... Once you go inside the stadium, it's kind of dark. Um, obviously, they had the uh, what's it called? The they have a retractable roof, so they had the roof closed because of you know how uh, Florida weather is. They had a couple storms rolling through, or it was too humid, or, or whatever the case was. Um, that was that was why they had it closed. So it was a little dark. Um, they do have the fish tank around by home plate, but you know you don't really get to experience that unless you're sitting in those seats. Um, those were the only seats that had waiter service as well, which I actually was not too happy with. Um, so Marlins Park, the only seats with waiter service were those seats right behind home plate, which I was actually not really happy with because, you know, if I'm going all the way to, to Miami to see a game, I'm not going to sit in the nosebleed seats. So I, I splurged on really good seats behind the Mets dugout, maybe six, seven rows behind the Mets dugout. And you had to traipse through the entire other sections in order to get to the food. So I would be leaving before the inning ended. The inning ended and everybody spilled into the aisles anyway. I tried to get a head start, couldn't, then proceeded to wait online for the food and was missing the game from six rows behind the dugout. So that's definitely one improvement they need to make to Marlins Park to make people like me want to go back. I always judge things in restaurants and things like that uh, as would I come back here? And I, I don't think I would go back to Marlins Park. I experienced it once and that was it. I, I, you know, I went to get ice cream in one of those helmet cups. They didn't have sprinkles. I thought she was joking, but they didn't have sprinkles. After waiting in the line, she said, you could try another one. And uh, now nah, I'll just take it without the sprinkles. It wasn't as good, but, you know, it's just the little things that, you know, they didn't really pay attention to. Also, the 400-level seats over there in Marlins Park, empty. 300-level seats, empty. Everybody that had... Now I know, and anybody listening, here's the secret. You buy a $10 ticket, no seats, the 400 and the 300 level seats, then you just sneak down. They don't check. You can just kind of walk right through to right behind the dugout. And there were people sitting with purple hair next to us. And I, I, nothing against purple hair, but I doubt 
that those people were paying the tickets the same price I did for those tickets because you know what they came in the fourth inning they left for two innings and they came back and watched the rest of the game so um two complaints over there from Marlins Park well three one make sure you have sprinkles for your ice cream stands two the nice seats in that sectioned off section where the people should have been checking tickets need a waiter service wait staff and three make sure they're checking the tickets because I could have had empty seats next to me, but these people were sitting next to me being so loud, I actually got like a headache. We actually moved. So, those are my complaints about Marlins Park. Um, not my most famous ballpark, uh, favorite ballpark that I've ever been at. Um, but it was number eight. Check number eight off the off the list. So, um, in the rundown, the rundown for today, we have um, this is a summer. Third episode of the summer session here, 1 o'clock Wednesdays. That is the time for the rest of the summer until September. So um, the rundown for today, got a very, very, very special show today. I'm very excited. Uh, it won't be in this order, but Kim Jones should be calling in in about, if she's on time, which she seems like she would be, in about nine minutes. We'll have a phone call ringing from Kim Jones. Kim Jones is a WFAN reporter, uh, WFAN radio host. She is an NFL Network correspondent. She started uh, years and years ago with the Yankees as what they call a clubhouse reporter. Every time she came on the TV, I, I would always say, oh, I want her job. She's got the best job. All the Yankees know her name. So that would be cool. I, I really can't wait for her to call in. I hope she doesn't flake. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, we, we talked on Twitter. She followed me. We talked in direct messages. And um, I can't wait for that. Uh, so before we get to that, I want to ask Kim Jones because she's been to Giants camp. I'm, I don't know if she's been to Jets training camp, uh, but she definitely has probably an opinion about uh, what's going on in Giants camp. And I also wanted to ask her about um, trade deadline moves. Um, what are, have the Yankees and the Mets been doing and, and what is the impact of the, the decisions that they've made? Because um, the trade deadline, for those of you don't, that don't know, um, the MLB has a season of 182 games. I can't think off the top of my head, but um, 82 or 62. I get mixed up. But anyway, so they have a trade deadline, which originally was uh, set for June 23rd, I think it was, in 1923. Um, it has since been moved back. Uh, it was August 1st this year, only because the last day in July was on a Sunday. So August 1st, Monday, was the trade deadline. Uh, and what it is is that teams that are not contenders for the playoffs typically sell their best players in order to gain prospects. And teams that think they are going to make a run at the playoffs buy players from other teams um, so that they can fortify their lineup and add some depth and whatever so that they can make a push for the playoffs. It began in 1923. We are now in 2016, almost 100 years of this. And I think it's just a way to make the game more exciting because who wants to watch a team flounder the rest of the year? I mean, this this is the last chance they have to make moves with other teams and signing agents, free agents, and things like that. So this is their last shot. So the Yankees, um, and I'm just going to recap this for you quickly so that when Kim Jones calls... Everybody's on board with you know what she's saying and things like that. Actually, we'll start with the Mets because they made less moves. So the Mets are a little easier to follow. The Mets uh, traded Antonio Bastardo and Cash money to the Pirates for pitcher John Neese, uh, probably to bolster their pitching uh, rotation after Matt, uh, Matt Harvey went down with season-ending surgery, probably. Uh, I think it's a good move. 
They also sent Dilson Herrera, an infielder, a utility infielder, and minor leaguer, minor league pitcher, left-hand pitcher, Max Wotel for Jay Bruce to the Reds. And Jay Bruce is a questionable uh, move, because, I, and I'm going to ask Kim, Kim Jones about this too. Jay Bruce, he is um, an outfielder. Um, he's got good power. He does. He's the NL leading, I think, RBI uh, leader in the NL National League. Um, but that move kind of crowds the outfield now because the Mets have a lot of help in the outfield. The Cespedes, they have Conforto, Granderson, a whole bunch of guys in the outfield. And there's only three outfield spots. So I'm curious to see if Kim Jones has the answer to the Mets getting Jay Bruce because I'm not really sure why they would go ahead and do something like that. Um for the Yankees, now pay attention. You might need a pen and paper for this. I'll try and keep it as simple as I can. Uh, the Yankees, um, and I'll say this to Kim, but the Yankees were sellers for the first time since Ronald Reagan was president. I don't even know when that was. And uh, a lot of Yankee fans are, are not used to seeing the Yankees sell. They're usually a playoff contender. Everybody knows that. And uh, this year they traded their three of their biggest stars away. Um, the first one being Aroldis Chapman, who the Yankees acquired this year. He served a suspension, and then he's been just lights out for the Yankees. And the Yankees' bullpen is just, just completely dominant. If they got to the sixth inning this year, prior to the trade deadline, they'd bring in Dylan Patances to pitch the seventh, Andrew Miller to pitch the eighth, and they would just bring in Aroldis Chapman if they had a lead. So the games, in, in essence, were, were six innings long, and that was it. But their ninth-inning man, Aroldis Chapman, was traded to the Chicago Cubs. I think they are favored to win the World Series. And in return, the Yankees receive Rashad Crawford, Billy McKinney, Gleiber, Gleiber, Torres, and Adam Warren, who actually was a Yankee. He was a pitcher not long ago. Uh, so for one guy, Aroldis Chapman, they got one, two, three, four, four guys, four young guys. And then they go ahead and traded their eighth inning man, Andrew Miller. Traded him to the Cleveland Indians, also a contender for the World Series uh, championship. Uh, in return, the Yankees received J.P. Firenzen, sorry, uh, Clint Frazier, who is the biggest probably catch the Yankees have had uh, this off uh, d- during the season here during this training period. Another guy named Ben Heller and Justice Sheffield. Again, Andrew Miller, one guy, and they received one, two, three, four guys, four young guys. Um, then, in no surprise move, the Yankees traded probably their best hitter on the team, Carlos Beltran, to the Texas Rangers, where he started his career. Um, I mean, he's an older guy, uh, you know, but he, the Yankees received in return Nick Green, Eric Swanson, and Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate is also one of the... Uh, the focal pieces of, of the MLB trade deadline for the Yankees. Then uh, they traded Vincente or Vincente Campos to the Diamondbacks for Tyler Clippard, also experiencing a he's a pitcher, also re- experiencing a, a renaissance in the Bronx. And finally, they traded Ivan Nova to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, for two players to be named later. So the Yankees traded one, two, three, four, five guys, and they got four, eight, nine, ten, eleven, fourteen guys. So they traded five and got fourteen. Um, so a lot of people are kind of wondering, scratching their heads, 
you know, one side of the argument is do you trade guys like Aroldis Chapman that are, are tried and true guys that have the record for the fastest pitches ever recorded consistently, not just once. He hits it consistently, 105 miles an hour. Do you trade a guy that's so tried and true like he is for unproven prospects? And at this point, the Yankees have seven out of the top, I believe it's 50 top prospects in their farm organization. Um, So, I mean, I don't really know. I think that the Yankees uh, did need to do this. They needed to do this little purge. I think the majority of Yankee fans do agree with it, the purge, um, because they're an old team. The Yankees are an old team. Uh, The latest rumor is that A-Rod, see if I can ask Kim Jones about this too, uh, the future of A-Rod. Because he, again, I think he just turned 41, A-Rod. He's hitting awfully. Um, but and, and to be fair, they're not really giving him a chance to hit. Uh, in the lineup, they're putting him in, in, in ridiculous pinch hitting situations and things like that. So I, I said this uh, two weeks ago. I think the Yankees are trying to force A-Rod out, unfortunately. Uh, you know, through the years, I always liked A-Rod. I always thought he was a, a competitor. And I think he was a lot nicer than Derek Jeter, I'll tell you that much. Who said that? Uh, you know, just a nicer guy. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? I, I you know, I, waiting on the call from Kim Jones here at WRPR. I, I think that the Yankees did do the right move. I think now, apparently, they're, they're gearing up for a move in, I, think, I believe it's 2018 or 17, the people are saying that they're gearing up for uh, a run at Manny Machado, a superstar from the Baltimore Orioles. And also, they're gearing up for Bryce Harper, a superstar from the Nationals. And if those two guys, Machado and Harper, in a lineup with a bunch of hotshot uh, prospects... Uh-oh, the phone's ringing. Let's see who this could be. Hello, 60-minute overtime. Hi, is this Danielle? Yes, Kim? Hi, Danielle. How are you? Oh, my God. Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Okay, guys. So for those of you guys listening, this is Kim Jones. She's a WFAN radio host and NFL Network on-air contributor. Um, she is so popular that trying to get through on her WFAN show, you might as well just start calling now because I've tried, and the phone is just always busy. It's impossible to get through. And I'm just, I'm so honored to have her on with me on, on my show. So, Kim, thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure. We do have lots of WFN callers. It's always fun. And, you know, I just wanted to tell you this, that I had Chris Carlin on here once, and I know you know him well. Yep. And we played a game, uh, a round of beer money live on air. Uh, and I, I didn't win the real money, but it, w- it was all, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that show. That was fun. That I love great. that show. Okay, so I was just uh, just de- debriefing the people about the trade deadline, the moves that the Yankees made, and the moves that the Mets had made. Um, I guess we'll go with the Yankees first, since you were a Yankees clubhouse reporter, and you know the guys well. So the Yankees uh, were sellers with 53 wins, and the Mets were buyers with 54 wins, which is kind of interesting. Um, so what do you? what is your take about the Yankees just depleting their superstars and getting a lot of prospects in return? Well, I think it was the smart way to go. It was an un-Yankee-like way to go. We haven't seen them do this since, wow, it's been decades since yeah. they've been sellers like this. So, But the teams, no matter the win total, these teams are at such different standpoints. I mean, one was in a World Series last year. One, it seems like 2009 World Series is an awfully long time ago. Mm-hmm. One is dealing with very unwieldy contracts and still has 
a couple of those. And, and for the Mets, they really, their best players really aren't making very much money with the, um, you know, ex- uh, with Cespedes being the exception to that. Right. But, um, yeah, I think for the Yankees it was a smart way to go. It's going to be interesting to see how these young players develop and when they, when they get it, the, the ones just acquired, when they get a chance. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are, for, are from the school of thought saying basically like, why would you give up tried and true Aroldis Chapman for, for prospects that you never know how they're going to be? What can you s- speak to about that? Well, because uh, Chapman come October is going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees did try to re-sign him, and he wasn't willing to sign now. He wants to get to free agency. He likely will sign with the highest bidder. He did say that he'd be willing to return as a Yankee. Uh, But if if a player is going to be a free agent and is determined to be a free agent after the end of a season, you really don't have any guarantees what you're going to get from him beyond this year. So it's smart to deal him to a team that really needs a closer, as the Yankees did, and get a whole lot in return, as the Yankees did. Right. Yeah, I just uh, recap that the Yankees, I think, said five players and got 14 in return. And, you know, as, as they could be used possibly as trade prospects here. So, are the, in your opinion, are the Yankees gearing up for a run at Manny Machado and Bryce Harper in the future? That would be, I believe, after the 2018 yes. season, and that would mean that the Nationals and Orioles were foolish a lot enough to let those players go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that will happen. Would the Yankees like to have them on, you know, at Yankee Stadium and in their, on their, in their uniform? Sure. But um, the way at, um, I almost said NFL, the way mm-hmm. baseball is now, teams, no matter the market, really do have a chance to retain their own players. And I would be really surprised if either one of those reaches the open market. Yeah, and then so in your opinion, A Rod, you know, aging A Rod, what did the Yankees do with him? There's been rumors of let him, letting him go before the end of the season, letting him finish out the season. There are some people even jockeying for him to to go to training camp and see how he does there. What do you? Th- where do you think the Yankees stand with A Rod, with Hal Steinbrenner being in town this weekend or this week? Well, I, I mean, they owe him. 21 million next year and whatever's left this year. So I would think they probably owe him another 25 million or so right now. So he's going to get that money. Baseball, the baseball players union will make sure of that right. and the Yankees will certainly have to pay it. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't have a feel because I'm not around that team on a daily basis. Right. Uh, so I don't get to ask my own questions because I'm just, I can't be there yeah. because the NFL Network's my full time job. Mm-hmm. I don't have a feel for what the Yankees truly believe. I do read my many friends and colleagues in the media, and it just seems to be kind of split. I don't know what – I guess I would do it this way. If you really, really have someone who you want to take that roster spot, uh, you could certainly release Alex Rodriguez. It would be a very weird ending to what has been an incredible career, and I'm assuming no one else would pick him up. But, uh, you know, if you really had a young player that you're just dying to have on the 25-man roster, I guess that would be the move you make. But, Daniel, I can't, pr- I can't yeah. pretend like I'm, I'm not on the inside on this stuff. So on that one, I, I don't know what the Yankees will do. Yeah, okay. So then now the Mets, we'll move over to the Mets, to Queens here. They acquired Jay Bruce, um, to add, and they just crowded their outfield up. And I, although he's, he's a real good hitter, they're looking for a big bat, what do you do in the outfield now? Well, options are good. Uh, Juan Lagares won't be back. Uh, it's hard to believe a, a, a thumb surgery that just happened, mm-hmm. 
you know, say the beginning of August is allow going to allow him to be back on the on the roster before the playoffs mm-hmm. if the Mets do indeed make the playoffs. So I think you're looking at giving Terry Collins options. You're looking at a guy what he was re- leading the league in RBIs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing the Mets need is RBIs, and they don't hit with runners in scoring position as we know. Yeah. So um, I, I think they got a, a bat that was available clearly. They were willing to pay the price with Dilson Herrera, clearly, mm-hmm. and they have him under control for at least next year. I, I, I don't know if his contract goes beyond next year, but I believe it's a fairly economical contract by baseball standards through next season, uh, maybe even a year more than that. So um, I wouldn't worry about it being crowded. You have lots of options. Uh, Michael Conforto could always be sent back down, although I really like him in the Me lineup too. and yeah. hitting. So uh, Curtis Granderson is is the one that really hasn't had a representative season and may not, but he's being paid enough that he will play, and I think Terry Collins does trust Curtis. So uh, I, I wouldn't worry about it being crowded. They're not going to carry too many. The, you know, 25-man right. rosters don't let you carry too many outfielders. So they'll be fine in the, as far as the numbers regard goes. Great. So so we'll move on to, to the NFL, your bread and butter now. Um, I, you saw, I saw you were at Giants camp. So what, just in general, are your Giants camp observations? And I just have a couple, you know, important, like uh, specific questions based on that. Uh, sure. I've been at Giants, Jets, and I just got back from a couple days with the Bills. Um, the Giants, let's see, I wasn't there when Odell got hurt, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's serious. I think Eli looks uh, terrific, and I think he and Sterling Shepard will have a nice chemistry. I think Eli has been a great leader. So far, we're really seeing him recognize that he's the veteran on this group and his teammates, especially the young ones, need him. Um, I think the defense certainly has better personnel than a year ago. And I think there's a new energy around the Giants with Ben McAdoo as head coach. So, you know, that was actually one of my questions. What are, from being at the camp, what are some major differences that you've noticed between the Coughlin regime and the McAdoo regime? Well, the most obvious is music. There's music playing all the time with McAdoo. Um, he does simulate TV timeouts, which I think is interesting. Hmm. And so when those are playing, you'll hear Simpsons theme song or, you know, uh, Fresh Prince theme song, those kinds of theme songs, uh, which is kind of funny. Yeah, Welcome fun. back, Cotter, that kind of stuff. So um, there's that to give players a real feel of game time. And, and the length of a, a TV timeout. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that helps players with tempo and that sort of thing. Other than that, I haven't I haven't been there when they've been in pads yet. Right. So, because I was with the Bills. Mm-hmm. But I, I think camp is usually camp, and I think different teams and different coaches put their own stamp on it. Uh, I guess the other big difference I would mention is McAdoo has had shorter practice practices, but they've been a little bit longer day by day. So he's kind of gearing his players up as opposed to a longer practice from the get-go. The Giants are looking, obviously, for any re- any way in the world to limit injuries. So that's one of the methods they're using. Right. Now, the Giants get back uh, Victor Cruz this year. So how has the trio, I think it's going to be pretty dangerous and explosive, of the trio of Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz, and Shepard, how does that look in a practice field? Well, in the practice field, it's, you know, it's hard to tell. And like I said, I haven't been there with them in pads. Um, and Victor is very much uh, looking like a player who will be a lot like the Victor Cruz of old. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he will be, and there's no guarantee. But uh, Victor does look very good, and I think everyone has their fingers crossed that, 
that he is able to get on the field September 11th. Because he, he represents an emotional lift in addition to a physical lift uh, in, with his play uh, to this team. So that's Victor. Uh, Shepard, to me, is a little bit of a combo between Odell and Victor, not mm-hmm. the best of Odell mm-hmm. and not necessarily the best of the old Victor, but a combo. He's shifty. He's fast. He's quick. He catches absolutely everything, and Eli loves him. And, you know, it's really been Eli uh, lauding Odell so far this camp, saying he does everything right. He's, you know, obviously his go-to guy, and uh, we all know all of that. But Eli's really gone out of his way to talk about how well Odell's been practicing and the fact that he practices so hard that he's a great example for younger receivers, and I think that's important. Yeah, so the, Eli said that the Giants are, quote-unquote, definitely a playoff team this year. What, is, what do you think? Yeah, I think Eli, I don't know if he says that every year. I think he always believes this team yeah. can be a playoff team. Uh, that, you know, one of their runs was, seems particularly unlikely. Um, but I think he, he notes the defensive additions. Yeah. Here's the deal. They weren't that far away last year, and they had the worst defense in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you make the defense defensive improvements to some degree, you certainly should be a playoff team if the offense continues to progress. So I certainly see where he means what he means with that, and this is not a division that scares you either. Right, so right. I can see Eli logically saying that. I think emotionally, it's also important for him to say that so that his teammates believe. Yeah, true. You know, and I just want to ask you quickly about the Jets. I didn't know you had gone to the Jets camp. Um, Brandon Marshall just came on. Everybody knows that Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. Um, And Brandon Marshall just came on calling um, Ryan Fitzpatrick an elite quarterback. Now, we've heard this debate with Eli Manning, whether he's an elite quarterback or not. Um, I'm a Jeff fan, but I don't think Fitzpatrick is elite. What do you think? Yeah, but but Fitzpatrick thinks he's elite, I'm sure, because every every quarterback has to. Here's the funny thing, Danielle. People will always say, oh, that guy has an ego or that guy's ego. They all have egos. They have to. And Ryan Fitzpatrick does not think of himself as some journeyman, journeyman right. quarterback who's lucky to have the weapons like Marshall and Decker and Nunwa right. and Forte. Um, so I think I think Brandon Marshall should think his quarterback's elite, and I think that's terrific that he thinks so. I don't get caught up in that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if if we need to argue whether Eli Manning, a two-time Super Bowl MVP, is elite. <laughs> I just I, I think there have to be other things to talk about. Yeah. Um, but is Ryan Fitzpatrick elite? No, he's not paid like an elite quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's 33 years old, so I think we know what he is. Never made the playoffs. Yeah, but on Sundays with the Jets, yeah. do they you know do they want to think and believe and know that they have an elite guy leading their huddle? That's fine. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Marshall's played for an awful lot of quarterbacks, and right. I would say this. I believe it's 11 quarterbacks, and he's never averaged more yards per game than he did a year ago, about 94 yards per game with Fitz as his quarterback. So wow. he's saying that based on Stats. quarterbacks he's played with, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, and you know, do you have any advice for females like me just trying to make a name for oneself in the, in the broadcasting business? I, I, I don't have female particular advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, young men reach out to me almost as often. Yeah which is cool. I, I just think work hard, uh, study what you're doing, know, know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, be on point with questions, know your subject material, watch tape, ask good questions, find people who will answer your questions for you, study, write, do whatever you need to do to get better, because we can all get better. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that young people will, will stand out 
is by knowing what they're doing, by being able to present it, however they're presenting it, in a very good, enjoyable, sometimes entertaining fashion, and, and really by being comfortable with that material. And a lot of people don't reach, you know, all of those goals. And some people who reach those, you know, don't maybe have the jobs they'd like. And, and there's a lot of luck involved in this profession. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear that all the time, but there is. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And my path was certainly unconventional. So when young people ask me, young, young women in particular really want to be a Yankees clubhouse reporter, <laughs> and there's one of those jobs. Yeah. And I always tell them, I don't have some magic formula. I worked at a small newspaper and waitressed and tended bar for six years. Mm-hmm. And usually they stop listening then <laughs> because people don't want to put in those dues. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, all you can do is really work on yourself and getting better, smarter, better at conveying what you're trying to say, whether it's written or spoken form. And, and really hoping opportunities come along and working toward making those opportunities come along. I guess that's how I would leave it. Well, all right. Well, great advice from Kim Jones. Uh, thank you. I know you didn't have to do this. Thank you for taking 15 minutes out of your time to, to come on and, and talk sports with me. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you asking. Good luck, Danielle. Thank, thank you. you so much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was cool. <laughs> so obviously, Kim Jones is a very knowledgeable. She's very well respected um, in the in the sports media community. Um, WFAN again, you can find her on WFAN on the NFL Network. And uh, that was cool. That was really cool. Uh, I hope I hope she'll come back on here. Uh, I enjoy talking to her. She definitely knows her stuff. And like she said, that's it's part of the battle. You just got to know your stuff, and uh, hopefully, I do too. So um, that was cool. Um, so here we go. Well, let's uh, we'll we'll do a little bit into uh, the Olympics, and then we'll go into a little bit of the controversy, and then we will do uh, my Anthony Fasano interview. Wow, we got a lot to do. It, it, we got thirty minutes left, a lot to do, and uh, we'll talk about a lot of different stuff coming up. So here's this. Jonathan Hankins from New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. So obviously the Olympics are coming up on Friday. Uh, the opening ceremonies are this Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. NBC is the carrier of the Olympics this year. Uh, playing in the background is a Katy Perry song. called Rise. It's like the pump-up song of the Olympics this year. 27 million views. I think this is pretty cool. It's a cool song. It's like a determination song. Uh, on her official YouTube page, they have uh, looking at Misty May Trainer. It's just Olympic footage on here. Michael Phelps, 
Usain Bolt. This is cool. So, um, so this Friday, uh, 7 p.m. kicks off the Olympics. There's a USA women's soccer team. Uh, this Friday, 7 p.m. is the opening ceremonies. It is going to be live from Brazil this year, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, and it lasts for, I guess, it ends by by the end of the month of August. It does not go into September. So, um, I'm sure you can turn on NBC or any of the NBC networks throughout all the time and find any event that they're showing on. Uh, this morning, Michael Phelps was voted to be the USA's flag bearer in the opening ceremony. Um, and that vote came among or by all of his other USA athletes. And I think that is a no-brainer. This is the fifth Olympics. Five Olympics. I had to double check. The Olympics is every four years. This guy has been an Olympic swimmer for 20 years. How old is he? Does anybody know how old he is? Michael Phelps, age 31. That doesn't even make sense. But in any event, this is his fifth Olympics. Uh, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Uh, he's got 22 medals. Swimming, obviously, is his forte. 18 of his 22 are gold. Do you believe that? 18 gold medals out of 22. And that's 81% of the time. 80, 82% of the time, the guy wins gold. So I'm sure... All eyes are going to be on him, both in the opening ceremony and in the Olympics themselves. So that was Katy Perry in the background. It's called Rise. Uh, so on NBC, you can check that out. Um, and Michael Phelps stopped by uh, with Hoda and Matt, uh, Hoda Copy and, and Matt Lauer, and he talked to them about being honored, uh, about calling, uh, bringing the flag up to the, the podium. Welcome back to Rio. This is a very, very exciting moment. You know, Michael Phelps as the global face of swimming, the most decorated Olympian of all time. Just this morning, we revealed that Michael's fellow athletes have selected him to carry the American flag into the opening ceremony for Team USA. Michael joins us now exclusively from the Athletes Village. Michael, congratulations. How did you find out the news? Uh, well, I was leaving the pool, or I guess right when I got out of the pool yesterday afternoon, uh, Lindsay, one of uh, our, our team staff members, came up to me and told me that I had gotten the, uh, I guess, the, the vote to carry the flag. Um, and I think I said to her, I think that was the biggest smile that I've had in my face in a really long time. So um, obviously a huge honor and, and uh, something I'm looking forward to. Michael, you hear us now? He's on the phone. I do have you. I, I, I can hear you on the phone. Buddy, what's it going to feel like walking in the stadium carrying that flag? Um, I mean, I would say there's definitely going to be a lot of emotions, uh, you know, just through sort of all of the experiences that I've had, um, you know, myself personally uh, on the Olympic level and then... Um, you know, just the just the feeling of being able to represent your country and and to be able to kind of lead your country into the village. Um, it, it's it's a huge honor to me. And and uh, you know, as as swimmers, we don't 
really think that we have this opportunity. Uh, but the, the, I guess the, the opportunity that I have is, is um, a dream come true and, and uh, one that I will remember for the rest of my life. We're going to be hosting that opening ceremony. When you walk in the stadium, make a right, come up the stairs, carry that flag right into the broadcast booth. We'll we give would you love a, that. a big hug from us. <laughs> Double dog dare you. Yeah. Congratulations, Michael. Way to go. Thanks, Matt. So that was pretty cool. That was uh, courtesy of uh, NBC. That was uh, Hoda Kotb and Matt Lauer interviewing Michael Phelps. Uh, so obviously, th- if you have been not living under a rock, you've been exposed to a little bit of the controversy that has been surrounding the 2016 Olympic Games. What What is the Olympics without controversy, right? So this year, um, Russia is... <laughs> how do I say this? Russia is the biggest... Um, I can't think of the word, but 110 out of the 400 Russians that, you know, 110 athletes out of the 400 that they were sending there have been barred from the Olympics for doping. And that includes the entire track and field team, most of the rowing team, except for, I think, six of them, and all of the weightlifters. So that is the ongoing controversy. I think it started with the track and field team. The Olympic Committee went in and told them to start investigating all the other athletes, and it has uncovered more and more and more and more and more. Um, they got two days left to catch the rest of them, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, 110 of the 400 Russians have been barred from the Olympic Games. Obviously, uh, the Zika virus has been a major concern of the athletes, um, it is very widespread, as we're led to believe, in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. Um, Hope Solo, the, the U.S. soccer team, women's soccer team, she has been very vocal about the Zika virus and about going to um, the Olympics. Sorry, I was just reading a tweet on Twitter. She's been very vocal about going to the Olympics. She's going for a fourth straight gold medal with the Olympic soccer team. And on February 9th, this is a quote from her. She said, if I had to make the choice today, I wouldn't go to the Olympics. And that was to Sports Illustrated. Um, over fears of the Zika virus. And, you know, and of course, that's, that's a very... Uh, it's a, oops. Can you hear me? Um, of, of course, that's a very uh, big concern. So um, there are athletes that have dropped out of the Olympics for fear of that. But guess what? The Zika virus is now in Miami. So you can't get away from it. So I think those guys that did drop out are a little bit foolish. So um, now Hope Solo is changing her her tune. She's blaming the U.S. media for since... <laughs> sounds like someone else we know, huh? Donald Trump. Um, she's now blaming the U.S. media for sensationalizing and creating fear about the disease and about the host country of um, of Brazil. Wow, Kim, Jim, Kim Jones just direct messaged me on Twitter, and she said, thank you for having me on your show, Danielle. Good luck to you. Dream big, Kim. I might print that out. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so now she's blaming the U.S. media for sensationalizing and creating fear uh, about you know, the unsafe conditions, the disease, and this and that. And, the, and this is a quite a little bit of a long quote, but I'm going to say this. Th- these are her words. 
Quote, you look back in 2004 in Greece, and then the same thing there. Bad publicity surrounding the games, and China as well. I don't know why, but we like to sensationalize everything and scare people. And then, when the games go on, everything goes on as planned, ends up being a beautiful tournament. And I expect nothing less here. I actually spoke to three different infectious disease doctors and specialists. I spoke to them on the phone with my husband as well. We got to a point where we asked enough questions. We prepared ourselves as best as possible, and we got to a level of being as comfortable as we could possibly be. I'm wearing mosquito repellent just in case. I know the odds are very small, but you can never be too safe. End quote. Um, and those were from, I think, two different interviews. So um, she's prepared. I, th- I think everybody is prepared, and I think they're just going to go for it. I think the U.S. women's soccer has uh, the upper hand, is the favorite to win the gold again. Uh, they are just so dominant. They are so just so dominant, even without Abby Wambach, who uh, just retired recently. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, someone I know, who I used to work with, is friends or college teammates with one of the girls on the Olympic team. Her name is Carly Lloyd, and she is one of the stars of the team. I'll be honest with you. Came out of Rutgers, and hopefully, and she's coming out with a book in September. And if all goes according to plan, my plan anyway, uh, I'd love to sit down with her. Um, I sat down with uh, one of the other uh, U.S. women's soccer team members. Um, she was my, actually my first, first interview. And I'm, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on her name. It's an Italian last name. Rampone. Christy Rampone. That's it. Christy Rampone. She was my first ever interview, and, and she was great. So I, I'd love to sit down with another member of the U.S. women's soccer team. So uh, my must-watch uh, for the Olympics, if you're not going to watch anything else, because I know it gets a little boring, and who wants to see the synchronized swimming and, and whatever else, but my the must-watch, if you do come across it on your TV guides, um, obviously the guide button, not the book, um, the USA Women's Soccer is my number one. Anytime they're on, I'm going to try and watch them. Even though I'm not a real soccer fan, um, I do think they're just that dominant. Uh, obviously, Michael Phelps in in the swimming competitions, again, another dominant performer. Um, and just on personal interest, I'm, I'm, I love watching on the beach and the gym volleyball. Um, you know, because I, I coach volleyball, I, I think it's important to watch. Beach is an entirely different game than gym volleyball. Obviously, there's only two players on a court for beach volleyball, and for gym volleyball, there's there's six of them, six players at a time. So uh, I definitely would like to check that out. Uh, maybe some men's and, and some women's basketball. The men's basketball is just, I'm not too crazy about it because I think that it's kind of just, I'm not sure they take it so seriously. Um, but but women's basketball, I'm interested in watching. Uh, one of the star players, she's 6'5", uh, Italian. Her name is Elena they probably call her Alina here, Delle Donne. She's six five, and she is just a monster on the basketball court. So if if the USA Women's Basketball is on, I'm going to take a look at that too. Uh, and those are my top picks: USA Women's Soccer, Michael Phelps, volleyball, and basketball. Other than that, I think they can, they can keep the, the Olympics. I'm really not interested in the fencing storylines or, or anything like that. So that, that's just my opinion, um, and that's that. This is Anthony Fasano from the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. <laughs> so Anthony Fasano, uh, another Italian, speaking of Italians, Anthony Fasano is another Italian. Uh, he played with a bunch of teams. Um, most recently he was just with the Chiefs in the playoff run with the Chiefs two years ago. And he is now with the Titans. He's a tight end 
for the Tennessee Titans down in, in Nashville, obviously. Um, and he just recently had a bocce tournament. Yes, Italians, the game of bo- bocce. You know it? Well, he had a bocce tournament down in uh, Verona, New Jersey, where he's from. And if you go onto my YouTube page and you just type in Coach McCartan on the search box of YouTube, you can find me there. Um, and, and here's the full interview with Anthony Fasano. Um, and, and my new thing, and I got in here and explained it two weeks ago, the athlete karaoke. I love it. So I had some Italian songs with him. And <laughs> he didn't do too well. <laughs> uh, but he's a great guy. Uh, he signed a mini helmet for me. And I know that's not really totally allowed, but... Um, you know, I always just try and judge a situation. So um, he was a great guy. I wish him all the best of luck with the Titans this year. Titans are coming off a season where I think their final record was 3-13. and So a pretty dismal season for the Titans last year. Um, they had a brand-new quarterback, Marcus Mariota, young guy, just drafted. So And Fasano talks a little bit about him and his development and, and things like that. So without any further ado, here is me, Danielle McCartan, and Anthony Fasano. Okay, I'm Danielle McCartan here with Anthony Fasano at... The Anthony Fasano Bocce Courts in Verona, New Jersey, your eighth annual tournament, your annual bocce tournament. How important is it to you for for you to do this in your hometown? Uh, it's, it's, I think it's vital. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to do it in my hometown. Uh, got a bunch of great people supporting a great cause, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully, it's an added bonus to the community. So. Yeah. So you're doing this in partnership with Backpacks for Life. How did that partnership start? Um, a good family friend of ours started Backpacks for Life after he. Um, uh, did a tour in Afghanistan and came back and uh, was struggling, uh, but also wanted to give back to veterans. So he, uh, he started this foundation and we thought it was a great partnership. And um, you actually refurbished these courts here in order to make this happen? Well, not my hands, but yes, it was our d- yeah. idea to uh, to get it done and uh, a lot of help and volunteer work from people in the community. Cool, so that's, that's very, very cool. So now your Italian heritage, it's cool that you're doing a bocce. I'm an Italian teacher, yeah. so this is cool for me to come and see this and hear Italian being spoken here. I mean, how has your heritage contributed to your success in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know about in the NFL, um, but maybe my bocce game. Uh, I kind of grew up in the backyard playing bocce yeah. uh, with, with the neighborhood guys and... Uh, um, it's great to have so many good people involved and some serious bocce players. Uh, Seriously. Um, you know, pretty much from Italy. I think some of them are. So. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure, and, and the talent's gone up. Here, yeah. So, so what, you went to Notre Dame. What did your family think of you becoming a fighting Irishman? Yeah, I mean, they were happy. It was a good Catholic school, you know, and uh, you know, we didn't know if football was really going to work itself out as it has, so yeah. it's good to go uh, to a great school. And parli italiano? No, I wish. Oh. I wish. You got to come to my class. I do. And uh, have you ever been to Italy? Yeah, a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, and I still don't know how to speak it. You got to learn. You know, I was thinking, if it's okay with you, could we do, like, I found some, like, really popular Italian songs. Some of them I've heard here. Yeah. You think you can complete the lyric on a couple of them? Uh, We can sure try. I'm not scared to try. (laughs) All right, you ready? First one.
Oh, you want me to really sing. Okay. Uh, all right, and then we, I got a Dean Martin one for you. Okay. Pizza pie, that's some more. Too much wine, that's some more. That's awesome. That was a great one. That was a good one. Yeah. Okay, so if we can go a little bit into the Titans for this yeah. year now. Okay, so you're entering your 11th NFL season. Um, out of Notre Dame, what is your draft story first? Um, I was here in town with a bunch of people, a lot of the same people that are here today, yeah. uh, waiting for the phone call. Um, and got drafted in, uh, in the second round to, to the Dallas Cowboys and was just thrilled. And I grew up a Giant fan, so I had to changed my alliances pretty quickly, but uh, it was easy. It was a great organization. So the Titans are coming off a 3-13 and, and 13 season. Um, what improvements have been made for this upcoming season? Uh, we have a different coach now and yeah. uh, a, a lot of uh, different players in free agency, mm-hmm. um, a good rookie class, uh, and really just a, the just a mentality is trying to get changed, you know, expecting to win and, uh, you know, having people fear us when they play. So, so um, it's, I, th- I think we're going to have a great, great amount of success. So Coach Malarkey is actually, like you said, changing the culture a little bit. He's doing in-house competitions, I heard. Have you participated in any of those? Oh, of course. Yes, I have. It's a, it's a daily thing. Competition is high uh, in pretty much everything we do there. So it's kind of part of changing the culture. And what's what's the prize? Uh, just just to be able to say you won, just a little bragging rights, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's kind of what competition is about. It's not really what you get; it's just that you beat them. Yeah. So now, have you, as a tight end, seen a little bit of evolution from Marcus Mariota? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think he had a great year, rookie year. We just mm-hmm. have to keep him healthy uh, yeah. and protect him a little bit better. But uh, he's going to be starting this league for a long time. So the AFC South is one of the most, I would say, wide-open divisions in the NFL. You had the Texans making the playoffs at nine and seven. Um, what's the outlook for the Titans this year? I think we have a great shot at winning our uh, division. You know, it's, uh, it seems there's a lot of parity in our division right. and, and throughout the whole league. So uh, if we establish our run game, don't turn the ball over, and do all the things you have to do to win, uh, I think it'll be great. Okay. Well, Danielle McCartan here with Anthony Fasano. Thank you very much, and good luck. Okay, sorry about my swimming skills. It's yeah, yeah. quite all right. Okay, I'm Danielle McCartan. He was... Uh, he was very funny. I did I did enjoy that. Although he was expecting other Italian songs, as he told you, uh, uh, Frank Sinatra and, and things like that, he did do all right. I, <laughs> I still laugh when, when I when I see him singing uh, when that's Amore. I think that, that was hysterical. One of the one of the better ones that we've had or uh, that particular song on on this segment here. So I just wanted to announce it's it's official now. It is very very official. Um, I'm going to be working with the Squadra Italia booth at the National Italian American Foundation convention this fall. Um, we're working on some fun and some interactive stuff maybe an appearance by a player or two. So if you are going down to Washington, D.C. this October for their annual conference, stop by and say hi. Uh, I will be at the Squadra Italia booth on on Saturday at the Expo. So that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. So also, I have seven people loaded up onto Periscope. Eight now. Eight people are now watching Periscope. A guy just named Steelers Fan 900 just joined. Um, I always like to do Periscope. I, I feel like people are afraid to call in sometimes, so that uh, this gives them an outlet to either type to me or, or, or you know, give me some hearts if they like what I'm saying. Uh, we have a quiet audience today. No one's really saying much. Um, but to that Steelers fan, uh, how do you think your team is is faring? I'll ask him a question. How do you think your team is faring? In the 
in the training camp so far. How does Big Ben look? What do you think about Antonio Brown's bet to Brandon Marshall? If anybody didn't hear, uh, Antonio Brown, which is probably the most elite wide receiver in the game, Brandon Marshall, the Jets wide receiver, bet him uh, if they if Brandon Marshall get gets more receiving yards during the season, he will get Antonio Brown's Rolls Royce in all Steelers colors. I don't know what he would want that. Um, and then if Antonio Brown gets more receiving yards than Brandon Marshall, he will get Brandon Marshall's nice white Porsche Roadster, I think it is. And uh, that is the official luxury car sponsor of the Jets, the Porsche. So um, Steeler fan, he might not be here. we got 10 people on. Someone just said hi. I, you know what I don't like about Periscope? That the people's names on the bottom, you they just come up and then they go away after just a couple seconds. You can't keep them there. Someone just asked, do I speak French? Um, I, I try. I know bonjour. I know merci. Uh, merci beaucoup. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, some bad words. Uh, <laughs> I do know that. Merci beaucoup. Yeah, I actually went to France um, about two Februarys ago, so I was there. I, I was there, and I was in Paris, and uh, saw the Louvre, the Mona Lisa. I took a selfie with the Mona Lisa in the Louvre. Also, uh, we did everything, the Eiffel Tower. Um, wow, that person is from Paris. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Um, and uh, Soccer Corps, I went up to Soccer Corps and saw Moulin Rouge. Um, the Eiffel Tower, of course, at nighttime. We had a view of that from the hotel room. Soccer Corps, yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually love Paris. I didn't think I was going to like Paris as much as I did, and I actually loved it. I can't wait to go back, honestly. Uh, Notre Dame, we went to Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so there's that. Um, I don't know what that means. I can't, I don't know what that means. Um, so uh, that Steelers fan, he's very confident in, in, in the Steelers' play this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Steelers were a playoff team last year, and uh, we'll see how far they can go this year. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. So, all right, anybody else on Periscope looking to talk sports? Um, oh, how, how, you know what? You from Paris, from France. How do you think your uh, your team's going to do in the Olympics? Are you are you tuning into the Olympics? Will you be watching? She doesn't speak very well American, or he, I can't read the name. Uh, Olympics? Speak slowly. Okay. Are you watching the Olympic Games on TV on Friday? Rio, yeah. So. So, uh, and someone just asked, how about that Denver quarterback? That's funny, because the Denver quarterback was, uh, the old Jets quarterback, Mark Sanchez. Actually, I didn't mind Mark Sanchez here when he had a bunch of the weapons around him. Lavernius Coles, Jericho Cotri. Um, I I didn't mind when he was here. And then they started taking away all his, his weapons, and then he had the butt fumble, and then he started eating hot dogs on the sideline, and, and that was the end of Mark Sanchez. So I do wish him well in... in uh, <laughs> But fumble, I know, of course. Uh, I do wish him well. I hope he has some guys around him that can make him better. Um, but, you know, cautious optimism for, for Broncos fans. I definitely advise 
obviously, um, yeah, hi mom, <laughs> hi mom, um, just so you know, uh, to my Frenchman, uh, Francois, I think that's how you say it, um, France is playing in the Olympics, Fran they said they're a, f a fan of French soccer, they'll be in the Olympics, <laughs> cheating Brady and Miami Heat, <laughs> the same sentence, huh, cheating Brady, yeah, he, he should have been banned for the, the entire season, in my opinion, uh, but since Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, is in cahoots with Roger Goodell, uh, it's it's only a four-game suspension. I think that they scheduled the Jets around that uh, because the Jets don't get a shot at the Patriots during Tom Brady's four-game suspension, whereas the Bills and the Dolphins do. So, you know, I just don't think that's fair. The Jets actually get to play the Patriots at the end of the season with Tom Brady back at the helm. So, you know, there's that. Um, the Heat, please, the Heat, everybody's a bandwagon Heat fan, in my opinion. I think I think NBA doesn't have the diehard fans that other sports do because, uh, yeah, pretty sure Kraft and Goodell play golf together every weekend. Yeah, I think. I think so, too. Uh, and, and they showed, uh, what was the playoff game? They showed a photo, like a, a paparazzi photo of Kraft at Goodell's house, or Goodell at Kraft's house. Again, Kraft is the owner of the Patriots before the infamous game. So, um, I do think that uh, they are good friends, and I think that was a factor into to cheating Brady. It, it's it's no, nothing new here, guys. The Patriots have cheated before. They've gotten caught with, with Spygate with the Jets, I think when Eric Mangini was the coach. So, this is just something else to add to Brady and Belichick's uh, regime here, in my opinion. And I'm not talking as a Jet fan, but I'm just talking about in general. Who do you think is going to be in the end? And forget football, who's going to be in the NBA Finals? Well, I'm, the NBA Finals, I don't even have to look. It's going to be Steph Curry's team, and, and it's going to be Kevin Durant's team. I don't even, even know if they're on the same team. I think they are. But it's, uh, it's going to be definitely where the big stars are, where the big market teams are, um, because that's how the NBA is, in my opinion. I mean, you don't, you don't, yeah, yeah I know, I, they're on the same team, yeah, because everybody was jumping on Durant for, for being a part of the, uh, of the Steph Curry Golden, uh, Golden State Warriors, but I just think it's going to be LeBron and Curry again, we're going to see a rematch of LeBron and Curry, you don't have to watch any of the season to know that, um, yeah, Miami and the Warriors, that's, that's another, um, that's another one. Uh, big market teams. I also think the Knicks don't have a shot. Derrick Rose. They just got Knicks made some offseason moves. They got Derrick Rose uh, still, and he's t he's saying that Derrick Rose is saying that the Knicks are going to be a playoff team. I just don't see it. Yeah, I you know I'm not sure. I'm I'm not so in tune with the NBA as I am the MLB and the NFL. Yeah, so I I don't know. Who knows with the Knicks? It depends. Who who stays healthy? It's just always. That's the question. Who stays healthy and who's playing and who's that? Uh, go Mets. Yes, go Mets. I am uh, jumping on the Mets bandwagon uh, this year because I do have some money riding on them in Vegas. So I do want the Mets to win the World Series and have a nice uh, have a nice payday come December, I think, to get the money. Um, you know, how do you like, we were talking before, I just had Kim Jones. You guys know Kim Jones if you're from this area or, or watch the NFL Network. Uh, what do you think about the Jets, uh, Mr. Met fan over there, getting Jay Bruce, adding to a crowded infield?
because uh, Kim Jones says they're going to be all right, especially with Juan Lagares being out uh, for an extended, extended probably the rest of the season with a thumb surgery. He won't make a change. Yeah, I think a lot of Mets fans have that mentality that he won't. It won't matter. I mean, he was the MLB leader in in RBIs. That is a fact. I mean, the NL leader in RBIs with eighty something, I believe, up to this point. So I don't know. I don't know what Jay Bruce is going to do for the Mets. I hopefully, hopefully he, uh, <laughs> hopefully he does uh, does well for the Mets and and gives them just a, a little bit of, of spark so that they can. They can keep going. So uh, I think I'm going to close up this Periscope. We are at 2.01. And you guys watching, uh, there's 10 of you guys now. People will be coming in and out, in and out. Anybody that's going to watch the broadcast after the fact, <laughs> take that Yankee shirt off. Go Mets. Yeah, I almost wore a Mets shirt today, but it was dirty. I went to see them play the Marlins. It's in it's in the hamper. <laughs> I got a David Wright one, but I actually would like a Noah Syndergaard shirt. So if you can make that happen, I'll wear that next week. So uh, I'm, I'm going to sign off on Periscope. You can follow all my work um, on Twitter, uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I think that's in the description if you've seen it on Periscope, I think. If not, uh, Facebook author page, Danielle McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Also on YouTube, Coach McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. On SoundCloud, I'm now on iTunes, um, in a lot of different places. Um, if I can get that comment back, I, I will follow you on there. So uh, if I could see that again, if you can maybe message. I don't really know how Periscope works, but if you can message that to me, I will. Um, so and uh, and that's that. So follow, uh, signing off from Periscope. That's always that's always fun. Let me flip the camera back the other way now and uh, swipe down to stop the broadcast. Okay, thirty-eight live viewers. That's pretty good. See, I think people are afraid to call in. I think that's why. People are not afraid to give their opinions on uh, social media when they're behind a keyboard, though. I think that's the world we live in now. Uh, so whether that's good or bad, we got some input from people on on uh, on Periscope. So I just want to leave you guys with a couple. Hold on, I'm just trying to put my password in here. I just want to leave you guys with a couple uh, of things, a couple of announcements that I have got going on. Um, I got some upcoming events. I got a big one on Saturday. Uh, for Yankees fans, especially old, no disrespect, but, but a little older Yankee fans, the 1970s, 80s Yankee fans. I have a big event coming up. This Wi-Fi thing keeps coming up. I can't read it. Um, on Saturday, August 6th, courtesy of Joe Quagliano. That's how you say that in Italian, Joe. He has a company called Mint Pros. I'll be heading to suite number three at Yankee Stadium. Babe Ruth suite. Not really his suite, but they name it that because Sweet 3, Ruth War 3, get it? Um, but uh, at Yankee Stadium, uh, to interview a s just a slew of, of Yankee players, and Joe sent me the list this morning of Yankee players that are going to be there. Here they go. I had to do a lot of prep work coming up for myself here. Uh, Charlie Hayes, Jeff Nelson, Jimmy Leritz, Gene Stick Michael, Pat Kelly, Blumberg, Montefusco, Cerrone, Roy White, uh, Rasmussen and maybe maybe an appearance by Doc Gooden um, this event is sold out but if anybody looking to get into a VIP event with any baseball star uh, Joe's your man uh, Joe Q um, the next event is a private VIP stadium tour with Jeff Nelson on August 11th it's $125 for a, a tour of Yankee Stadium with all the stops unlimited autographs photographs and lunch at the Hard Rock Cafe is included so uh, if you want that, you can head over to uh, Mint 
pros.com you can book your ticket now to that event and any of the other events not just Yankees he's got Met stuff too um, and he's a great guy Joe he's helping me out and I'm going to be working with him in for, for NEAF in Washington D.C. at the table the Squadra Italia booth uh, so also very very big you guys remember when I went to the Eric Decker pro camp uh, I believe I'm, I'm looking at the picture from me now I don't remember how long ago it was June I think I was at the Eric Decker pro camp um, it basically because of whatever reason it ended up being a, a one-on-one interview basically with Eric Decker that I had which was awesome um, I think that I, I still looking back I think that would be if I could consider that my best uh, interview so far I mean I asked some pretty pretty tough questions to him and I thought that was pretty cool so um, if you remember that uh, on Tuesday I'm going to be doing the same thing with the Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard Thor Mets ace, not just pitcher. He's one of their aces. Um, and he's running a pro camp uh, in Long Island. And I'm not sure how much media is going to be there, but hopefully not a lot, like Eric Decker's. And I'm just going to do my best to get another quality interview for you guys. Um, yes, I'm going to go to Long Island for the first time in my life. So we'll see how that works out. I'm going to budget plenty, plenty of time for driving. Um, but Noah Syndergaard, I mean, you just can't turn that down. So I, I'm very excited for that. I do have some uh, questions planned for him. So if you have any other questions that you want me to ask him, um, please, I'll take them. Feel free. You can just tweet them to me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I'll take them on Twitter. I'll take them on Facebook if you like my Facebook page and all the other things I just shouted out. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for today. We have one caller, Kim Jones. Awesome. She's just so awesome. I love that. She's got, let me see how many followers she has on Twitter real quick. I just was trying. She's got 94,000 followers on Twitter. And she only follows 236 people. 94,000 people are wondering what she says on a, on a, on a minute-to-minute basis. So, you know, and, and like I said, if you try and call into her WFAN show when she's on, you can't get through. I mean, you, you dial and dial and dial for for all of the hours that she's on the four-hour show that she's on and you can't get through so to have her on here was just you know I, I do look up to her in in the sports journalism world as as being a woman and, and as being someone who knows what she's talking about and if you don't get that by just listening to her when she talks then you know then you get something wrong with you so kim jones i, I was honored honored to have her on my show my my little show here um doing big things though we're doing big big things everybody so uh, i'll be on uh, next week you'll catch me i'm gonna play the credits and it's gonna say the wrong thing <laughs> i just i don't have time to make another set of credits so it's gonna say sundays no i'm here on wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m on wednesdays okay so uh without any other further ado that's a wrap for this week thank you guys for listening um, and you could send this to your friends. I'm going to download it, go into the other room, download this. Hopefully it downloaded. Hopefully it recorded. And then I'll post it online, and it'll be on my uh, SoundCloud account, which updates directly to my iTunes account. So if you want to search for me on iTunes, it's, I think, I really don't know how to do this just yet. I think you just ter- type in Coach McCartan. I think it's one word, though. I think I should come up then. So, okay. So that's that. So I'll be back w- next Wednesday, 1 to 2 p.m., everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. 
That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.